Welcome to Kingdom Leadership. In Matthew 20 and 25, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not that way among you, but whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. God has called us to lead in a way that serves others and advances the kingdom of God. Please join our hosts as they discuss scriptures, principles, and strategies for leading in a way that brings glory to God and blesses you and those you serve. You may also visit us online at IamAKingdomLeader.com to submit your questions or access past episodes. Let's go. Hello, Kingdom Leaders. This is Dr. Arlene Green, and I'm so glad you've joined us today for another episode of Kingdom Leadership, where our mission is to disciple, meaning equip, train, encourage, prepare you so that you can accomplish all that God has called you to do and that you're able to do it in a way that brings him glory and draws other people to him. We have an awesome topic today. The title of today's episode is Love and Leadership love and leadership. I believe this is going to be a series, so I named this particular episode Loving God. And as always, if you'd like to access previous episodes, you can go to our website, www.iamakingdomleader.com, or you can send us an email uh, at agreen, my name, A-G-R-E-E-N, at lifechangingfaith.com. And we definitely want to hear from you Please get in contact with us. It helps us understand what's on your mind, what's on your heart, so that we can ensure the shows are relevant for you and for your situations. So love and leadership. I almost added a, a subline, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> but love has everything to do with it. As believers, we are instructed to love God, love ourselves, love others. And that certainly includes those we lead. But it starts with us loving God. And it reminds us of this many places in the Bible, but two come to mind for me, excuse me, where we're taught that sharing and displaying God's love is basically the most important thing for us in our daily lives and our daily behavior. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees were testing Jesus, right? And they asked him a question. One of them said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And we know that there are 10 commandments, but the law is often considered, you know, those first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. And there are over 600 laws or ceremonial rules, do's and do nots in those first five books. But Jesus replied to this question, which is the greatest commandment by saying in verse 37 of chapter 22, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he goes on to say, and the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Right? So that's the first thing that comes to mind. And then also in 1 Corinthians, uh, we're told that if we're doing anything without love, we're basically doing it in vain. So as followers of Christ, there's no aspect of our life where love doesn't play an important and a center role. And that includes our roles as leaders, right? Leaders at work, leaders of our families, leaders in our church or in our community. Love is critical and the most important thing for us to focus on. 
And as we talk about love and leadership, sometimes I like to share a research study, and I found one that I thought was really interesting. Um, this is from Lieutenant Colonel Joe Ricciardi, and he's a lieutenant colonel in the Army, and he was quoted as he stood before his battalion of over a thousand soldiers, I think at the time, and his soldiers were really charged with clearing roads of these IEDs, or these explosive devices in Afghanistan. And he gave them one simple message, which was, you need to love one another, and which is amazing to think about. And then later, he was in school doing a dissertation, and so he studied love and leadership. And his research identified three factors of love in this leader-follower or manager-employee relationship, intimacy, passion, and commitment. But as Ricciardi said, intimacy dwarfs them all. And, you know, you can't love someone without intimacy. These are my words, not his. But you can't love someone without intimacy. How do you love something or someone you don't know? You know, you can love the idea of them, a la Catfish, if anyone has seen that show. But you can't love the reality of them if you don't know them. So my question for us today is how much intimacy are we experiencing in our love relationship with God? And if we feel somewhat distant or distant at all, what can we do to remove that distance between us and who we know is our loving Father, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of us? And I mentioned this would be a series, and today I want to start with the first and most important commandment, which is loving God. Loving Him in a real way, an intimate way. Loving Him as we're instructed with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. I mean, I don't think it gets more intimate than that. That is complete and total love. So to explore this concept, I was looking for examples in the Bible of people who demonstrated this complete love of God. And I also was looking for someone who did this while having leadership responsibilities, you know, responsibilities for leading other people. And God brought David to my mind. And in looking at the heart of David and what he wrote one thing that stood out to me was his transparency and his intimacy with God. And sometimes it feels like we're honest, but I'm not sure we're being transparent with God. And so honesty can be defined as telling the truth. But I would define transparency as telling the whole truth. You know, so I could honestly say that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a true statement. But transparency goes beyond that and acknowledges the extent to which I believe that statement is true for me in the areas of life where I'm struggling. Um, I was looking at something. Rick Thomas, he's a Christian author, and he said, Have you ever had a person tell you about the problems they were going through? But as you were listening to them, you were thinking they were not telling the whole truth. They were not being transparent. In most cases, they were telling the truth about the other person while not being transparent about themselves. And I think that's sometimes how we can be with God. I mean, it's certainly foolish. We know he already knows. But I think sometimes we're not always transparent with how we're feeling with God. And I found it can be a couple of things that are a source of this for me. Um, the first of these is pride. Because sometimes we haven't even admitted our flaws, our weaknesses, you know, our misses, our sins to ourselves. So if we haven't admitted them to ourselves, how are we going to bring them transparently, transparently to God? And then the second thing I was thinking about is sometimes we interact with God the way we interact with others. So it might be that one, you know, as a leader, 
Um, we feel like we need to have the answers or at least some of the answers, you know, display some level of control, have the right things to say. And to a certain extent, some of that is true based on the roles we have with other people. But then we take that way of interacting with others to our interactions with our loving father. You know, we're being honest. We're speaking the word of God, which is true, but we're not really admitting our weaknesses or where we're coming short as it relates to that word. And so sometimes I think we kind of take how we lead with other people, interact with other people to our relationship with God. Um, and then the other thing I thought about is sometimes we look at God like we look at our earthly parents. I mean, how many of us are willing, would willingly go tell our earthly parents things we did wrong? You know, um, I, I remember being in a Walmart parking lot and someone coming up to me and talking about a party that I'd had. And uh, I was in my 30s, by the way, at this time, talking about a party that I'd had at my parents' house and they didn't even know about it. Right. <laughs> so I hadn't even admitted it to them. Um, at that time, and I was in my 30s off living my own life on my own. But I think a lot of times we don't bring our flaws to God because we're looking at them the way we look at our earthly fathers, our earthly parents. But God is different, right? His grace is sufficient. The debt for all of our sins, past, present, and future, has already been paid by Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so that's why the word says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. We're his sons. We're his daughters. And when he sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Um, so let's let's talk about some things or right? how we can avoid this tendency to be honest, but not necessarily transparent with God. And let's see what we can learn from our elder brother, David, about how to love God by being fully transparent with him. Because in our transparency, we're giving God a chance to help us, to change us, you know, for the Holy Spirit to do the work on the inside and change our feelings, change our minds, change our lives for the better so that we can operate in a, in a way that is more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And David talks about this transparency in Psalm 139, and it's such a beautiful poem just showing how intimately God knows us. And then in turn, David is inviting God to search him for real, to really, you know, know his innermost being and to show himself um, to him. You know, God, David is saying, show me who I am, God. Show me where I need to change. And I'm going to read part of Psalm 139. I'll try not to read it all, but once you get going, it's kind of hard to stop this one. But I'm not going to read it all. But I want us to just listen to the words from David about this transparency that we're talking about. So Psalm 139, starting in verse one, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And I love this part, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day 
for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That is awesome. That stops at uh, verse 14. And then at the very end of the psalm in verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is awesome. That is real transparency before God. And I feel like sometimes we're so caught up in feeling the need to demonstrate our faith in God that we don't acknowledge our real feelings about a situation. But in several of the Psalms, David gives us an awesome example and even I'd say a structure for how we can be real with God and still acknowledge who God is in that situation. You know, to acknowledge the truth of how we're feeling and still not deny the power of God. So I read several of the Psalms where David is expressing his his feelings, his distress, his disappointment, his anger, his fear. And I noticed three things in each of these Psalms. And through this, David, a man after God's own heart, gives us a great model for how we can be transparent with God. So in each of the Psalms, David shares, one, how he is really feeling. Two, he asks God for help. And three, he declares the truth of who God is. Right. So in each of these Psalms that I was reading, where he was expressing his feelings, he acknowledges and shares how he's really feeling. He asks God for help. And he declares the truth of who God is. So I want to just explore each of those points. Um, the first one, he was honest and transparent about the way he was feeling. You know, the Psalms, like Psalm 139 that I just read, are a book of poetry and songs. And the words David uses to describe how he's feeling are so raw, so descriptive. I mean, I'm not even sure if most of us can describe how we're feeling to ourselves, never mind to God. I was reading the book Boundaries. It's by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend, and it's an amazing book. Um, if you struggle like I do sometimes with thinking, you know, it's your job to get other grown people to do what you want them to do, read that book. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but in the book, one strategy they talk about is that we have to learn how to describe the way we feel about a thing outside of someone else. You know, for example, I feel wronged is really more about the other person than you. You know, I feel neglected or rejected. It's, again, more about what the other person did than how you really feel. Words like, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm depressed, you know, I'm worried, I'm anxious, um, I'm scared. Those are words that really are about how we feel in the moment. And David did this. He was so descriptive. And not every time, but a lot of the time, his words are describing the way he felt. So let me just read a couple of them that I was looking at. You know, in Psalm 6, starting at verse 2, he says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. Um, later in Psalm 6, he says, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all of my foes. And then in Psalm 13, starting in verse 2, he says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? You know, 
David is so real and so in touch with how he's feeling. So our first strategy to be transparent with God is we must search and understand our own thoughts and feelings. You know, be willing to examine our own thinking and then honestly express those to God. And I noticed that most of David's feelings were his own. You know, he talks about his enemies, but he also talks about how he really feels. Uh, we feel how we feel, and we need to own that and be able to express that to God. So that's our first strategy. The second strategy David uses is he always humbly asks for God's help. You know, after or sometimes in the psalm, after he acknowledges his own feelings and weaknesses, he asks God to intervene. And so I was looking at Psalm 25, starting at verse 16. He says, David says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. You know, in verse 20, he says, Guard my life and rescue me. Don't let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. And then in verse 22, he says, deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. So God is imploring, I mean, David is imploring, humbly asking God to intervene. You know, in Psalm 6, starting at verse 2, David says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. And then verse 4, he says, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. So David is asking God to intervene in the situation and deliver him. And in doing so, David is acknowledging his helplessness, you know, his inability to deliver himself from his issues. And don't we all know that trying harder for strongholds or very difficult problems just doesn't work? You know, more willpower, more ideas, more conferences aren't going to work for the most difficult areas of our lives if we haven't surrendered them um, or those things don't lead us to surrendering them to God and asking for his help. You know, areas where the devil really has a hold, where our own lusts and flesh have a hold, we need hold, we need God to intervene. And for him to intervene, we first must surrender and ask, right? The word says we have not because we ask not. We need to surrender our will, our control over the situation, our control over the timing of a situation, just give it all to him. And I've been doing this recently with my eating. I think I've shared before that I'm on a road to deliverance from eating. <laughs> I don't just want to lose the pounds. I want to lose the energy and time it steals from me by me thinking about food, weight, clothes, etc. Um, how about you? You know, what is it you want to lose? I remember our pastor, Pastor Pelham from Life Changing Faith, he preached a message one time about the giants in our lives um, and how we go about slaying these giants. And he talked about what's that thing that wakes you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night? What is that thing, this giant that's worrying you and how do you slay it? Well, one way we slay the giants is we acknowledge that we can't do it in our own strength. You know, we have to surrender it to God and ask him for the strategies, the timing, the approach for it to take. Surrender our own timing, surrender our own expectations around it, and let him take full control. And to do that, we have to ask for his help. And David did this often. He acknowledges his helplessness in the situation and asks God to intervene, and we need to do the same thing. So that's the second thing. Ask God for, to intervene, ask him to deliver, ask him for his help. And then the third thing David does is he acknowledges the reality of who God is in that situation. 
He praises him for who he knows him to be. And in that, he's reminding himself, you know, of who God is. And, you know, back to some of the Psalms we were talking about earlier in Psalm 6, starting at verse 4, David says, turn, Lord, and deliver me. He says, save me because of your unfailing love. You know, he's reminding himself how loving God is. In verse 8, he says, away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. You know, acknowledging that God hears me. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer, acknowledging that I'm acceptable to God. In verse 13, he again reminds himself of God's love. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Again, you know, he's acknowledging who God is in that situation. Psalm 25, you know, starting at verse five, he says, you are God, my savior. My hope is in you all day long. In verse seven, he says, according to your love, remember me for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Again, he's reminding himself how good, how upright God is, how he guides us, how he teaches us. Um, In verse 10 of that psalm, he says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. So in these, David is reminding himself who God is and who God is even in this situation. Right. So after we acknowledge our feelings, we ask God to intervene and help us. We need to acknowledge who he is, who he is. And there are different writers who talk about all the names of God that are in the Bible. And there's so much encouragement in the names of God, just acknowledging who he is. First, he is the I am, right? So anything we need, he is. God is the I am. And then there are so many specific names of God. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a prince of peace. You know, he's our healer. He's our lover of our soul. He's always loving, always faithful. He's omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He's our savior. He's our loving father. He's the true and risen king. He's the Lord of lords and king of kings. You know, it just, you can talk yourself into praise and worship just by acknowledging who he is. And that can give you strength and encouragement in that moment. Right? So, you know, and after we acknowledge who he is, then finally what we have to do is we have to do what God says. Now, this is not one of the three things I pulled from the Psalms, but it is what I pulled from David's life. Right? The Bible said that David was after God's own heart. And Samuel spoke those words when he was speaking to Saul, who was the current king at the time. And he was saying that Saul was being foolish and not following the Lord's commands. And because he didn't follow God's commands, God was going to establish a king on the throne who was after God's own heart, meaning someone who would seek to do things God's way and obey him. And the word says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, meaning you will obey me. That's in John um, chapter 14. And I've heard a few people say, and I heard Priscilla Shire, Shire, I hope I'm saying that right, say it recently, that God doesn't speak to be heard. He speaks to be obeyed. So there's not love without obedience, meaning the intimacy, the conversation, the request for help, the relationship we have with God must lead to our obedience. 
And so I hope that blessed you today. I love the book of Psalms. It's so beautifully written. And it's such a great expression of emotion and love and how we can be transparent with the one who created us and already knows us full well, right? Um, so I like to do a question every time. And the question of today is how do I know if I'm being transparent with God and myself? How do I know that? And this is something I've had to explore myself as well. Um, I really have the tendency to compartmentalize myself, compartmentalize my life. And hold on one second. You all can hear my voice is a little scratchy. I'm going to get a sip of water. Hold on. But, you know, I have the tendency to compartmentalize my life and to not allow myself to what I would consider wallow in any level of sadness and disappointment. Um, I sometimes tell my sister and friends, you know, I like rainbows and unicorns, meaning I like to keep things positive. I mean, I really do. And that, that's who I am. But rainbows and unicorns aren't real life all the time. Um, and when life brings us very difficult moments, which we all have, by the way, right? The word says life is full of tribulation. When those moments come, we really have a choice on what to do with them and what to do in them. We can discount the, ch the challenge. We can gloss over it. We can try to compartmentalize it, which is, you know, pretend it's not there, not think about it, try to walk around it, <laughs> not explore it like I've done in the past. Or we can face it and allow God to take us through it, right? Even though I walk through the valley. Because we're going to be disappointed sometimes. We're going to be discouraged. Um, we're going to be angry. We're going to be fearful. But can I tell you, there's a difference between wallowing in something and acknowledging the truth of a thing. And I think the difference is where God is and how honest we are in the mix of it. And, you know, I could think about two signs for us to think about, about how to understand if we're really being transparent with God and with ourselves. And the first one um, is, do you get surprised by emotions? So anger, sadness, frustration, depression, um, do those surprise you? Because I think when we get surprised by emotions, Sometimes that means there's something we haven't really explored. Uh, there was a time when I would just cry. I felt like every time or every other time I went to church. And if someone had asked me why I was crying, I don't think I would have been able to explain it. And that's because there was something there. There was some grief. There was some sadness. There was some depression that I really hadn't even acknowledged to myself. I definitely hadn't explored. And I certainly hadn't asked God to help me with it. Right? So... I decided I, I'm really, I'm stopping and I'm trying to stop holding things in and instead really fully exploring them and also fully expressing to God what I'm feeling. Now, we might not be able to express the whole of who we are to everyone, and we probably shouldn't, you know, but to God and hopefully, you know, one or two other people in your life, including yourself, you can express the fullness of who you are. So if you tend to get surprised by emotion, that may be a sign that there are some things you really need to acknowledge and turn over to God. So that's one thing. The second thing is, do you feel light and free? You know, once we give our cares to God, we have an opportunity to have that weight lifted. God told us to cast our cares onto him because he cares for us. But sometimes we feel burdened down because we haven't really asked ourselves, you know, what's going on with us outside of someone else? You know, we may have spent time blaming someone, but we haven't asked ourselves, why am I feeling this way? And I taught a problem solving class the other day, and we talked about the five why technique of getting to the root of a problem. 
And it worked with business problems just like it worked with personal problems, meaning when you have a problem, you ask yourself, why is that true at least five times to get to the root cause and to get to something that's actionable, you know, something you can really do something about. And I mentioned earlier there was a time when I would go to church and just cry and couldn't really explain it. Um, you know, at that time, I could ask myself, why am I crying? Meaning, are they happy tears? Are they sad tears? Are they frustration tears? And at that time, they were sad tears, right? So then after that, I need to say, well, why am I sad? And the answer to that was because I was disappointed. Okay, you know, then why am I disappointed? Well, I was disappointed because I was hoping, I, I thought, I assumed I would have more time with someone that I loved than I actually did, right? And you can keep exploring these whys. And at the end of that exploration for me, the way it changed me is I have a lot more appreciation for the here and now. Once I realized what it was, you know, I no longer say, oh, we'll do that next year. No, I don't know that to be true. I know the consistency of God, but I don't know the consistency of life and what may be coming. I know God will prepare me for it. I know God will get me through it, but I don't know every detail, right? So that it helped me change my thinking. But if we haven't cast our cares onto God like David did, we can feel really burdened down. Um, and if we haven't reminded ourselves of who God is, even in the midst of the difficulty, we're not giving God a chance to intervene. So right now, do you feel light or do you feel burdened down? If you feel burdened, if you're feeling burdened, then you can use the structure that David showed us to give your concerns to the Lord. First, explore, acknowledge how you're really feeling and share that with God. Second, ask God to help you and to intervene. Submit to him, fall into his arms, and ask him to help you with what you're dealing with. Third, acknowledge and remind yourself of who God is, even in this situation. Remind yourself of the names of God to encourage yourself in the journey of just how awesome, loving, caring, faithful, consistent our God is. And then finally, be prepared to do whatever he tells us to do, right? And one of the great names of God is Savior. Thank you, God. So before we close, I want to just implore, encourage, beg you that if you haven't, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. This life can be so challenging. The Word tells us life is full of tribulation. It's not always easy. It's not always rainbows and unicorns like I talked about. But we have a Savior who wants to help us through this life so we can have the victory, so we can be fulfilled, so we can be light and free, you know, so we can live abundantly. That's what He promised in His Word. He said that He came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. So that even in the midst of the most difficult and challenging situations, we can find peace, joy, and life, and life everlasting. Romans 10 and 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God has made it so simple for us. Um, he did all the hard work. Jesus bore, you know, died on the cross for our sins. Um, so that we might be reconciled to our Father. So let's say these words and pray the prayer of salvation together. If you're already saved, I always say, say it again, because it's just an awesome reminder of the perfect gift that God has given us. God, I believe that your Son, Jesus, is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I thank you that his death was the perfect an all-sufficient sacrifice for my sins. 
I thank you for coming into my heart. I thank you for saving me. I love you. And I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, write us and let us know. We want to celebrate with you, right? You can send an email to me at agreen at lifechangingfaith.com, A-G-R-E-N, A-G-R-E-E-N at lifechangingfaith.com, or you can visit the website, iamakingdomleader.com to let us know so we can celebrate with you. Um, email us. You can also email us or submit a question at those as well. You know, if you just joined the family of Christ, congratulations. You know, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever did. It's the best thing you will ever do. You are going to live a life more abundantly because you're living it with him. So I thank you all so much for joining. I pray that was a blessing. It certainly has helped me. And definitely join us next time as we all learn and grow together into the kingdom leaders God is calling us to be. I speak blessings, life, and love over you and all you're connected to until we meet again. I love you all and be blessed. Thank you for joining Kingdom Leadership, and we pray you were blessed by today's discussion. You can find us next week at the same place, same time. You may also visit us online to access past episodes and submit questions for future shows by visiting IamAKingdomLeader.com. God is calling us to lead in a way that gives Him glory, attracts others, and advances His kingdom. God bless you.